All right, what's going on, everybody? This is What's the Wave, episode number six. And uh, finally, we're actually recording episodes. It's been some time, and we apologize for that. Yeah. But uh, before we get started, I want to touch on two things. Um, Number one, I feel like we have been pretty dishonest with our very, very small fan base because our last episode, we did say we was going to do a NFL prediction show, which we did not do. And we still have not done great week. So, obviously, yeah. we can't do NFL predictions because I'll technically be cheating. But Yeah, the season already started. Exa- so. Exactly, exactly. And, I, and, and to be honest, I don't even want to, you know, mention my Super Bowl pick because both of my Super Bowl picks lost in week one. So, I'm you not going to mention them. You already brought it up. No, all right, my, my, don't say the Bears. Please. Of course. Don't say the Bears. Don't. My Super Bowl pick was the Texans and the Saints. And they both lost. <laughs> yes, those were my Super Bowl picks. I'm not embarrassed the to say Texans? that. Yes, the Texans. Yes, the Texans. I'm I'm oh, not and I'm not I'm not backing off of that. It's only week one. But um but on but on a serious matter, we will get to great week one of these weeks, but everything in sports has just been crazy at this point. So we will get to that. And number two. I got a problem with one of my co-hosts, the only co-host that's here since Nate couldn't make it, unfortunately, but Talil. Let me tell y'all something about Talil. Let me tell you how bad of a friend Talil is. So, (sighs) Sunday night, I'm over here about to darn near cry because Aaron Rodgers done killed my team again. And... For the first time, no, 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 don't, don't, don't start with me. Don't, don't start with me. Don't start. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. So, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm I, I have, I'm on do not disturb mode on my phone. I've never done that before because I already know people were starting already with the nonsense. I was wasn't have any of it. So, mm. around five six in the morning, I get a FaceTime call from Talil. Now, let me ask you, what was your objective with this FaceTime call? I was going to ask you about the game. Did you see the game? Like, did you see the, you know... What? Why? I wanted to say good morning. I wanted, I wanted to say good morning first. You're lying because you didn't even morning. say it in the chat. You know, did you sleep? Did you sleep good? You're you lying. Know, how's You're everything lying. going? You're lying. But but that was, that was really the... That was first and foremost. And I was going to ask you, you know, did you see, you know, football? Why? Why would you even ask me if I seen the game last night? I'm a Bears fan. Why would I take? Busy, you know, school just started. You, you a busy man, you know. First Maybe of all, first of all, it. first of all, let's learn something, Bobby. Walk really quickly. I have two days of school. I go on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And if, if any day I was going to do my homework, it's going to be the night before those days. So that, let's get that out the way. Excuse me, Mister. And. And that's how, unless how, that's how bad of a friend. The package just ran off a comeback of ridiculous proportions, and then he wants to call me. And next thing you know, Monday night, I can't even brag anymore because the Jets just embarrassed the Lions on Monday night. Exactly. But, Brandon, let's not sit here and act like this is a one way street because there's been times back in the past, there's been times where you've you mocked me about the Jets play. So please, whoa, let's whoa, not... whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have been, I have been, I have been concrete about this. I've been concrete about this. 
Every time that I brag, I've been given a reason to brag. I don't come out the blue and just talk about your team because that's not fair. I don't like that being done to me. I wouldn't do that to someone else. So let's let's pump the brakes on that. All right, let's so, let's not do so that. Question, Brandon. You okay. have you have never randomly just brought up the Mark Sanchez Bart fumble? Probably not. Probably okay. not. I'll probably give him a reason, but I stand. I stand ground on what I just said, but you no. gonna, you gonna lie on the radio? Uh, first of all, we're not on the radio. We're on anchor, um, air, um, anchor waves. So that's uh, Bro, that's different. That's different. Nah, let's. All right, forget all this banter. Let's get to the. Let's get to the topics. There's a lot to talk about. So, right. over the weekend, now I'm not a tennis fan, so bear with me here. What tournament took place? Because <laughs> I don't even know the U.S. Open. The US, oh my! Listen, God. listen. I just know about the situation that took place. I don't follow tennis at all. I, listen, bear with me. So we saw another one of a uh, Serena Williams breakdowns. I guess you could say, at, in a loss to Naomi Osaka in the, I, I believe it was in straight sets. Now, unfortunately, Osaka's win was overshadowed by uh, the um, the uh, confrontation that took place between the line judge and Serena Williams. Right, and um, yes, yes. And um, I have my thoughts on it. And, I, and everyone knows what happened. And, you know, she was accused of cheating, even mm-hmm. though I'm pretty sure cheating takes place in tennis all the time, and people just don't get caught. Well, the coaches don't get caught. Yeah. And um, she she got caught, and she she went off. Talk about I'm a mother. I I would rather I rather lose than cheat to win. Mm-hmm. And um, a whole lot of stuff. It was a lot to unwrap. But um, Tyler, I want to get your um thoughts on this first because I want to see where you stand on this. Well, um. Just to give a brief summary, it was the U.S. Open, and it was I forgot which um which I think it was the second set where um Serena was serving, and I guess she looked up to the coach, and the coach did like a little signal. The coach is a uh, Patrick. More Ritugula? I don't know how to pronounce his last I name. Think, I think, yeah, that's how you pronounce it, yeah. Yeah. She did, like, a, a signal, and um, Carlos Ramos, I guess he caught on to it. He's seen it, and he gave her a warning. He didn't penalize her yet. He gave her a warning, which is the protocol. So he gives her the warning, and she just she flips out. She gets upset. And, I mean, long story short, I don't – I can understand why she was upset, but I, I think she was – in that particular situation, because she took it from being about tennis to insulting her character. When really, even even after the game, uh, Patrick he was giving her signals, so it was like he wasn't. He the Carlos wasn't wrong. Ramos wasn't wrong, and it was like she just she took it to a whole nother level that it didn't have to get taken to. To insinuate, like I don't know. Okay, so here's where I stand on this. Like I said before, I'm pretty sure coaches give signals to their players all the time in tennis, and they just don't get caught. Yeah. And and, and here's the thing about Serena. Um, we all know 
she's been the subject of a lot of just hate over the years. Just right. you know, comments about her body and um, her looks. The fact that she's just so physically, um, more physically appealing than any tennis star out there, probably male or even woman. You don't see a, a male tennis player jacked up like she is. And um, that's the reason why she gets uh, hit with random drug tests more than any other tennis player. True. And what everything I just said, and please believe me, there's more. I'm leaving a lot of um, lettuce on the bread, but that right there is why is what Serena should have been focused on instead of focusing on, on women's rights and why and that she's being subjected because she's a woman. Right. And. And I want to be clear about this because um, we see uh, males break their rackets more often than not, and they they do get reprimanded. And um, mm-hmm. so that that right there is an invalid point. Women's rights right. has nothing Plus, to do with it this because second, it was her second offense. Exactly. Like, exactly. So the first one, and then the rules are the second offense. You have to you get a point penalty. Right. 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 So. That's... So, in my opinion, um, I think if in that moment she made it about her, herself, she would have right. a bigger um, case to be made. And I don't think anyone, because I, I see a lot of people on Twitter, they try to downplay um, Serena's tirade by bringing up stuff that happened in the past. But people, here's, here's what people on Twitter like to do. They like to, if they don't particularly like somebody, they will try and push a narrative about them. So what I saw was a threat of videos about her and how she was just going off on a certain somebody. Those Mm -hmm. instances weren't for no reason. That's what people need to understand. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure she doesn't, she doesn't have, you know, no method behind her madness. So when she called, when she makes it about women's rights, does she have a point? Maybe, but was that the right talking point in that moment in time? I don't think so. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I don't think it was either. I think she she talked about how Ramos was, you know, questioning her character, but in a sense she did the same thing to Ramos to take the offense and like the first offense and a point penalty. She's taking it as if he's doing it because she's a woman. When in reality she was wrong, she broke her racket. She broke the racket, so it was like I just I didn't understand it. I felt like maybe she just she just was frustrated because of past things, and then when that happened, she just kind of felt like all right, enough is enough. But I think she was wrong. And and, and another thing is that like it overshadowed Osaka's win, unfortunately, like, and. and... Yeah. yeah, yeah. You saw, you know, when she's being interviewed after the matches, it, it kind of felt like she felt sorry for winning because of what happened. Yeah. And you know that part is it. It sucks, but it, you know, I, I think, and it's just the respect for probably the greatest athlete of our generation. I mean, we argue that, but yeah. you know, the numbers speak for itself. But um, it's Question. just the go, go ahead. During her, um, I guess you would call it a tirade, she kept requesting that Ramos offered her an apology. So based on your opinion, do you think that she she needs to give Ramos an apology, or do you think that Ramos was wrong 
in the situation? That's a really good question. And I think um, what I was going to touch on was um, I think when you have the star appeal, no matter if it's a team sport or it's an individual sport, you would want certain things to go your way. Like you don't want a match play being taken from you when it's in the final. You'd rather it happen in the first round than anything. And um, she felt as though she was being bothered during a really big match. And, and that, that's obviously combined with her losing at that moment in time, too. Right. So um, does he deserve an apology? I kind of don't think so because, um, you know, we don't know what Carlos's uh, motives were when he uh, deducted the match play from her. But what we do know is that this was just the most random occurrence that he had He had to look over at her coach and decided to reprimand her. So, I mean, we don't know if this guy was actually being a jerk or, or what. But, and, and that's also the, that's another thing, too. I believe uh, Novak Djokovic have had uh, run-ins with Carlos, too. So it's not like it's just a woman thing right, or anything. He's just, like, he's just not that. She could so, – she could bringing up women's rights and how he's doing it because she's a woman and he doesn't do that to the guys. But, in, like, history shows he's done that to guys and women. So it's like... Exactly. I feel like because of that, she owes him an apology. She's insinuating that he's being misogynist and he's being um, sexist when, in fact, he was doing his job and he's doing what he felt he had to do. Yeah, I think what what we have to be very responsible about this because... and. Uh, I've seen a lot of women take up for Serena on social media. Of course. And and um, I think it's just based off emotions, like what she's what she gone through with the pregnancy and stuff like that and still winning a tournament and um, still winning a major. That's what they call it, not tournament major. But yeah. when um, just all the hate that she gets. And, and I think what really had people rallying around her was, I don't know if you saw, but... Um, I want to say this art, this artist's name is Mark Knight. I'm not sure. I know his last name uh, starts with Knight. It's Knight, but made a very, very offensive cartoon about Serena Williams, mm. and and the way she was constructed, it, it was very, very. She had very stereotypical uh, features on her. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, you had the um, you had a white woman in the back saying, "Can you just please let her win?" Then telling the line judge. So I think the sympathy uh, comes from there more than anything because it's kind of – she's been bullied basically our whole career, and I think people just feel sorry for her. And and, right. and, and, and that's, that's incredibly plausible. Don't get me wrong. It right. Really I'm is, even but... guilty of it because I know when it first happened, I was I was on Serena's side, but then when I got the context and I really, like, dozed into it, I realized, you know, maybe, maybe she's wrong in this situation. Right, maybe right. She just lost her cool. Yeah, and and that, and that and that this is this teaches a lesson to um, us fans. We have to be um, fair. Okay. It doesn't matter whether if it's someone you hate or someone you like. For example, I hate Aaron Rodgers, but I respect him. He killed oh, my team, but Aaron I Rodgers? I do. I I but I I I'm not that type of fan of like, oh my gosh, I hope he gets injured next game because he keeps killing my team. I hope he's you know, out for I, the rest of I the season. I would be surprised if that was to come from you. 
you're pretty vindictive, so I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not that vindictive. I've never wished injury on anybody. You know that. Never, too. never. I've ever. never wished injury on anybody. Mm. And and believe me, I'm I'm not the type to lie to the public. I would never do that. Oh, so okay. he, you know, I don't like your tone. I don't like your tone when you, you know, I'm you question saying, me. I, I just find that hard to believe. Nah, you being I'm, a sports fanatic and you having a little bit of a vindictive side, I'm pretty sure you hope that Aaron Rodgers will get hit one more time and get knocked out. Oh, li- listen, listen. Do exactly. I do I wish injury anybody? No, but if Aaron Rodgers didn't come back into that game, you want to hear no complaints from me? That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I mean, I mean, I mean. Let, let's 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 be grown folk about this. Let's I know, say this was Tom I, Brady. Say, say this was Tom Brady. You'll be feeling the same way. No, Ain't that right? I, no, I've never wished injury. I've always <laughs> wished that every like player would be healthy. Like, for instance, when the Jets play Patriots, I hope that Tom Brady plays the whole game, and I hope that we just we just destroyed him. Because if he gets hurt, then they're gonna use that as an as a reason. I don't want that. Listen, I want it to be a definitive dominant win. In my case. We have not been the Packers at Lambeau since Thanksgiving Day of, I believe, 2015. But you guys, I wanted that win. We were really close. I, I, we, we were really close, and I'm, I won't get to that in uh, the third segment. Right. But uh, uh, I think the Serena business is done, so we're going to move on to our next topic. Okay. Which is the Le'Veon Bell uh, situation. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, boy. James Conner balled out on Sunday, which made the case for Le'Veon Bell. Fantastic game. Yeah, he had a very good game, despite the fumble, but well, yeah. the conditions was bad, so we'll give him a break for that. Right. So um, a lot of comments was made in lead-up to the Steelers and Browns game on Sunday from offensive linemen Ramon Foster, Pouncey, and Villain the Waver didn't say anything. He's a good guy, so I don't really expect anything yeah. from him, but... I got to say, this situation, and holdouts in general, it's it's a a very, very, like, it's a tricky thing to really decipher because in the case of Le'Veon Bell, he is a guy that has just been prolific over his career. It's not just the past couple of years. He's done this for as long as ever. I mean, wait, Mm. think about it. I mean... For the past three years, you can say that, but don't forget, early on in his career, he had the injuries and he was suspended early on. So, right, right. I, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that. Right. So, so Le'Veon Bell is twenty six years old, and right. he wants a long term deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I can which I can understand because for as many times they run him in a game, you will want to be compensated. Now, now let's keep in mind, Le'Veon Bell is being paid fourteen million, but he wants the security to play for the Steelers for as long as he possibly wants to. But I got to say, this this holdout, it makes both sides look bad. And I want to know what side you're on because I have a reason for being on both sides of the spectrum. Um, In terms of Le'Veon against the organization or Le'Veon against his teammates? I guess the organization teammates is another thing for another time. He, the uh, teammates are wrong, period. And they, I, I can't be convinced of that. I mean, I can understand both sides. I can understand why Le'Veon would, of course, want to get paid. He's he's performed great. He deserves it. But I can also understand why the Steelers wouldn't give him that money. And I think 
Max Kellerman of ESPN's first take says it best where it was running backs generally don't get paid. You draft the running back, get him a long-term rookie deal, then I can franchise tag him a couple more times, and you franchise tag him another time, and by that time he's about, what, 20, 27, 28. And running backs generally deteriorate by the time they're 30. So when you're 26, 27, 28 trying to get a long-term deal, an organization can go, well, you're you're almost over the hill. We're not going to commit to you long-term after they done pretty much franchise tagged you and You've been signed to your rookie deal your whole career, so you'll never really get paid. That's just the business of the NFL. Absolutely. So I can understand why. And even you even seen how James Conner performed. That that gives the organization more merit to go to not give Le'Veon the money. You know, they have a right. younger – is he a rookie? He's a uh, sophomore. Sophomore is second. They have a second year of winning back. He shows promise. He showed promise against the Browns, and so that gives them that gives the Steelers a greater reason to not give Le'Veon the money. But Le'Veon has been arguably the best running back of his generation during his career, so I will understand his frustration. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with sitting out games because then. You kind of you kind of disappoint both fans and teammates. You know, it's not just. But yeah. Also, people. I I was been having plenty of conversations with my friends about this. Mm-hmm. If Le'Veon don't play, he's compromising his own dollars. Right, but that doesn't that even make it more confusing on his part. You know, like you compromising yourself, you compromising your teammates, fans that want to come see you, your organization. Like, I don't know. And I, I think people are scared of Le'Veon coming back on that deal and he don't give it his all because he doesn't have security for the team and right. he, they're going to run him to the ground and probably maybe get hurt. Then what's next? His his value goes down and down and down. Mm-hmm. Then he's not going to get a big deal that he's been looking for. And yeah. I understand that part. Yeah. And um, But he also has to understand too. Adrian Peterson had a really good game week one. He had a really good game week one. Yeah. He's thir- he's 32, I believe. Everyone can't be Adrian Peterson, especially with yeah, – he had one ACL injury, but – well, he had two, actually. I think it was two ACL injuries. But um, everyone can't be as physical as a freak as he is for him, for him to stay in shape so he could play this long, still yeah. be productive. We don't know because not everybody – like, you got to understand, too. Sean Alexander, he, he, I think 2006, 2007, one of those years, he had an incredible year. He broke the touchdown record. Right. After that, you would hear nothing about him. This happens all the time. This happened with Clint Portis. This happened with, um, well, Barry Sanders is probably the smartest one out of everyone because he retired before he, would, he deteriorated. Or maybe because he was playing for the Lions, but who knows. But um, you see it with um, Jamal Lewis. You saw it with Terrell Davis. You saw it with a lot of running backs. So you can't be mad at the Steelers for trying to make sure they're set and they're not stuck with Le'Veon if he's not bringing the same production on a massive deal. Because regardless, if the if the Steelers are going to pay him, they're going to make him the highest paid running back in the league because that's what the market demands. Todd Gurley set that market. Right. So right now the Steelers are stuck in a situation right now. Do you want to keep James Conner as their uh, as their um? featured back because let's be clear about something 
if James Conner never had cancer, he would be a first rounder because right. he was that That's, dynamic yeah. in college. He he was he was great in college. Right. So do you stick? Do you stick with him because it's a risk? Do you stick with him or do you let you are you extend Le'Veon and just have them to be the uh, platoon of running back position? It's a tricky uh, situation. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is tricky, and to even. To go back to your point where you said that uh, not everybody's Adrian Peterson, that's true. But then again, I don't know if Adrian Peterson is Le'Veon Bell. In the sense that Le'Veon Bell isn't just a running back. He's also the second best receiver. So he brings that versatility and that dynamic to where if you were to really let him go, it it affects two parts of, of your offense. The running game as well. So but that also plays into Le'Veon's case too, because he's doing two things, and they're also gonna run him to the ground by giving him the ball, while well, have him run the ball as many times as they do. So that helps his that helps his case just a little. Yeah, but I feel like I don't know. Even like Earl Thomas, he held up, but he decided to come back, and his reason was for his teammates and for the fans, and he'll just deal with it, you know, off the next offseason or whatever the case may be, you know, like. Yeah, I want to ask you a question because yeah. I, I remember him saying in the offseason that he wants to get paid. He wants security because he's putting his body on a line. Let's so, or Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Okay. So what do you think was his mindset? Well, like, obviously his mindset was for him to come back so he can play, get his money, and get even more money down the road. But what, what do you think about um, – we think about players' mindsets in general, like what versus holding out and versus them playing. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, obviously he held out because the organization wasn't trying to give him what he felt he needed and what he deserved. But I feel like his mentality was okay. They're not gonna. They're not gonna give me what I want, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna tag me or they're gonna, you know, whatever. So let me play these games for my teammates, for the fans, make this money. He even said he, he made his point. So the Seahawks know that he's probably going to leave after this season or whatever the case may be. So he made his point. He's going to play the games. He's going to make his money. He's going he's gonna to try to play his best to show his value, and then he'll leave. And so, I mean, I just think that Le'Veon can do the same thing. I understand why he wouldn't. You know, being a running back, you have a greater risk as opposed to being a safety. And plus, with the way that the Steelers use him, he has a greater risk of getting injured. But at the same time, he's missing out on almost a million dollars every game he misses. Right. You know? So, I mean, do you really want to risk almost having like a year off from playing football? And then that even hurts his stock in a way because people are going to be like, well, can you do the same things you did a year ago? You had a whole year off. Like, how do we know you have that same talent, that same, you know, ability? And so I think he's kind of hurting himself holding out. Yeah, it's kind of this kind of similar to the Emma Smith situation where he held out those two games. They went on two and they said, oh, we got to get this guy back in the door because, you know. Right. Because Evan Smith was a top three running back in the 90s. Le'Veon Bell is a top, top three running back right now. So I also want to I, I, I also want to ask you this because 
In my opinion, I feel as though um, maybe not in the situation of Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was a very different situation because he was still on his rookie deal. He wanted to get paid, and I don't blame him. So, with that being said, for guys like Le'Veon or Earl Earl Thomas to a certain extent, do you feel as though guys are selfish for holding now, even though, like, they're making a sufficient amount of money, but they're they want more, even though they're because I'm mean, Seahawks not contenders, but Steelers are. Do you find those players to be selfish? Those that hold out, maybe in, just in general. Um, I won't call them selfish, but they have to understand that by them holding out and even like missing games, like Le'Veon is doing, like you you deprive the organization, your teammates, the fans, like you, like. In a way, you're helping yourself or making your claim or your case, but you're also taking away from other things and other people and other situations. So, is it selfish? Mm, I'll say it's more self-preserving, but it also has a negative effect on other things. So, I wouldn't say it's selfish, but it's it's it can be bad too. So, yeah, because I I feel as though. It it compromises your team, especially because obviously there's there's a backdrop to it because once you are out on the field and you see the difference with you on the field, you out, or you off the field, that tells teams like, okay, this guy could be a very very valuable per, uh, part of my franchise. Mm-hmm. So it's it it's uh, it, like there's so many layers to holdouts like I'm not even against the whole CBA because I mean that's that's yeah. just that is, it's way too much to even follow you know yeah, maybe just, I'm, maybe I'm just being lazy but you know the CBA expires too after the season 2020 so, yeah. season expires oh yeah 2020 2020 you know, the NFL PA is already telling the players you know to save money save money mm-hmm. for a holdout so and 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 I got to tell y'all this holdout, not holdout, though, this lockout, it might last for the season. It just might. Because, like, we know Roger Goodell and and the Play Association, they are split because there's been so many mishaps from the CBA that took place in 2011 to, to now. There's been so many mishaps, and most of it has to do with the punishments that are given out to players, the national anthem uh, um, policy, it's an absolute mess, and let and let me be clear: this national anthem thing is not going away. So people need to just get used to it. It's not going. It's not going away, because and it, it's mostly because the national media just likes to bring it up because it gives them something to talk about. Right. Whatever, but don't be surprised if you don't get any football in twenty twenty. Hopefully, the XFL is a really good alternate. I'm just hoping because I'm being more football, the more the merrier. But. But we have to be prepared for that, and it sucks. It it absolutely does. Right. Real brief, since we're still on the topic of NFL, and you just brought up the national anthem. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the um, Kaepernick's Nike campaign? Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Because I was I was surprised by it. I was surprised, but I was also proud that Nike decided to stand by Kaepernick. So what he was doing. So here's why I stand on this. I believe that Nike took a major, major risk 
by making Kaepernick the face of Nike. Mm, you think so? Yeah, I, I think so because we got you gotta understand right now who is a more divisive, more polarizing guy in sports than Kelly Kaepernick, other than LeBron James. Um you can't think of anyone, right? Do they have to play sports? I mean, I think that's I the realm I'm going in. It's been pretty divisive. I mean, he, okay, he's yeah, trying okay. to be divisive in multiple sports. So he's that's that is true. That is true. I, I I'll give you that. But Colin, Colin Kaepernick is he's not one. He's probably two. So, yeah. with that being said, everyone wears Nike. Black people, white people, Spanish people, everyone in the world wears Nike. Right. So with with Megan Kaepernick the face of Nike, that just basically says like we're not going to parrot the political speech of anyone. We're gonna go with what is morally right. And people know, and, and I'm pretty sure Phil Knight knows, even though he's he's probably in this because he's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna make him money. Maybe, I don't know, but that that's that's also that also has a very uh, a lot of layers to it, but um, right. Phil Knight has he's on a side of morality, and sometimes some you have to put your mouth out there to make some money. That's the way it goes sometimes, and um, it was a it was, it was a very big risk, and um, I'm really really proud of Nike for actually doing this because a lot of companies would not have the balls to do this. Right, and on, another thing. Don't you love the people that are just spreading so many false narratives about Nike stock dropping and all this other nonsense? People burning their Nikes and whatnot. Do people realize how stupid that you look? I never understood burning the stuff because it's like you already purchased it. They already got your money. So what's the point in burning it? That makes no sense. And believe me, there are people who don't really care about Kaepernick's protest. They may not agree with it, but they don't really care about it enough to be like, oh, I'm never buying another Nike product again. Right. And believe me, Nike's going to be around. They're going to be around. They're not right. going to miss out on any sales. As a matter of fact, this stock hit a, had an all-time hot today. Exactly. That's my point. You're saying it's a big risk, but I don't necessarily see it as that. Only because Colin Kaepernick... I say it was. It was a big risk until I seen the stock skyrocket. Yeah, like yeah I understand did. that. But it's like Colin Kaepernick, he affected the NFL, right? And like right. His, whole, his whole thing was with the NFL. The NFL generally is an American sport. Whereas right. opposed to Nike is like a global brand. So even if... And I'm pretty sure globally, if you take a poll or based on like statistics... Globally, everybody is for morality and, you know, the right thing. So when mm-hmm. you take that and you take Nike being this global brand, it might hurt their stock in terms of, like, you know, the nationalists of the United States. But because they're so global, I don't think it would affect them overall. I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I just think that, would like, it's, it's a great power move, really. I agree. And, um... One thing I want to touch on is um, former ESPN. Um, I want to say, well, I don't know. What, I forget what role she played. I can't even get the word right now. But uh, she used to work at ESPN, but now she's a Tommy Lauren wannabe. Britt McHenry. She had an issue with this, obviously, because I mean, you know, that's 
I'm not gonna get too political, but um, yeah. uh, she says the ultimate form of privilege. This is not quote by quote, but the ultimate form of privilege is being told that you can't play football anymore, and that you sacrifice your football your football career. That's the ultimate form of privilege. Let's think about that for a second. So this guy talks about racial op- oppression. Injustice in America, and he gets ousted mm-hmm. from the league. Let's think about that for a second. Like, thank God that Colin, that Colin Kaepernick took this knee because we are seeing the, the true colors of these owners mm-hmm. and the people and the fans. Right. So when we talk about that, he didn't sacrifice anything but a football career. Let's think about that. He doesn't. He can't. He can't earn millions anymore from playing football, the sport that he loves. Because and don't try to tell me that he doesn't love football anymore. Because he he's been working out, he's been putting out videos of him throwing. But that's never all. Oh, anyone could throw on a practice field. But those are the same people. Like, oh man, I can't wait for Johnny Manziel to come back. And what do you do when he came back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But my point is. I don't get where people come over saying that he didn't sacrifice anything because he was playing football, making millions. Yeah, he got to the, He played in the Super Bowl too. He play, yeah, oh yeah, but people want to, people forget about that. Yeah, they want to bring up his last couple of years where he played on awful, awful, awful Forty United teams, and he played for a under a um a dysfunctional head coach of Chip Kelly. He's back in college for an obvious reason, and people want to bring up all these false narratives. And the fact that people are even mad about the commercial, the, the commercial that aired during the Eagles and Falcons game, that was a beautiful commercial. And people were still upset about that because it was Colin Kaepernick as the face of it. But if J.J. Watt was the face of it, it doesn't matter. Even though the message will still be the same, it still doesn't matter. Exactly. That it, and it's not right. It's hypocritical. And we have to focus on what the right thing is and not who's saying the, who's saying the things. But... That's that. That's basically what it is. That's 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 America for you. Yeah, good Some for people you, just Kaepernick. can't. Good for you, Kaepernick. That Nike yep. tour money. Secure the bag. Get the Brinks truck out. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next segment. Week one NFL is over. Week two yeah. just started with the Bengals defeating the Ravens thirty-four to twenty-three. Mm-hmm. By the way, Andy Dalton looks pretty good. Just disclaimer, but um, I think he's underrated. Uh, uh, I don't Dalton's know. Andy, underrated, but I don't. Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton, man. He 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 is who he is. That plays for Marvin Lewis. So I, you know, it's funny because one of my friends said, outside of Bill Belichick, he has the most job security in the NFL. Think about that. I don't fifteen years about a, why. Fifteen like, years about a play. Well, sixteen years, maybe fifteen, sixteen, one of those. But yeah, that many years when I play off win, and you get to keep your job. That that's that's pretty impressive. He must have nude pictures of somebody in the organization because that's the only way I can think of him keeping his job for so long. Right, and it makes me so it makes me so divisive because you know there aren't that many head coach opportunities for African American coaches. So I appreciate that aspect that he's had his job for fifteen years, but he has done nothing to to he has no credentials to justify him having his job. <laughs> right. So it's like exactly. So, I don't know. It's which so, side ca- it's so counterproductive. It's, just, yeah, it's so it's counterproductive. Like, it's 
it's crazy. But um, I'm all for the brothers, but you have you haven't shown you have no resume <laughs> that justifies you keeping your job for 15 years. If same with him and Hugh Jackson, I don't know what head coach goes 0 and 16 and keeps his job. Like that is crazy I, to me. Honestly, but... I was I was gonna get into that too. I yeah, I think he was done. Yeah. So all right. So, what is your biggest takeaway from Week One of the NFL? My biggest takeaway. Well, I mean, I had three. Right. Okay. This one is Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, he played really well. Aside from the pick six, you know, in the first play, he was able to to gather himself, gather up the team, and he he won us the game essentially. But that in the defense, right? That was one thing. Second thing you just brought up was Hugh Jackson. Um, I think this is Hugh Jackson's last year in Cleveland. Um. I think at this point, Todd Haley kind of understands who Hugh Jackson is. And I'll take it. Gustavi, right? Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Moses? Uh, somewhat, but I probably need a reminder. Right. Moses, he led the children of Israel out of bondage, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the same thing with Hugh Jackson. He's kind of lead. He made some offensive moves. He drafted, you know, Baker Mayfield. He's leading them out of bondage, essentially. Mm-hmm. But like Moses, Hugh Jackson isn't going to go to the promised land. He's not going to be able to see the finished product of this Cleveland Brown team because I feel like this is his last year. I feel like at this point, he made some bad coaching decisions during that game. How do you get six turnovers and you you leave with a tie? Well, like it, well, got to be fair here because the weather was <sighs> awful. So we have to be fair. The weather that. was awful, but you get six turnovers? Six turnovers, and you leave with a I mean, you can say the same about the Steelers, too, because they play like crap, too. That's 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 my last point. But to stay with, to stay with the Browns, I just think he made some bad coaching decisions, um, some bad plays. I mean, obviously, they missed the field goal that would have won in the game, so you can't really blame the coach on that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is Hugh Jackson's last year. And finally, same game, different point. I think Ben Roethlisberger is done. I watched, I watched him play last year, and he had the whole thing where he was like, I don't know if I want to play. He Like, mentally, he was kind of off and on. And this year, bro, game one, you can kind of see he's just not the same Ben Roethlisberger. He had the fumble. He's made, he, he threw an interception to Denzel Ward, but the interception, Denzel Ward, Denzel Ward was able to fake out veteran Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just feel like mentally and even physically a little bit because he's not able to extend the play. He didn't lose weight. He didn't lose weight. Yeah, but he's like, he's not able to, he's not that big Ben Roethlisberger from previous years, obviously. Like, he's not able to extend plays like how we used to, like he used to be able to do. Right. It just seems like he's not, he's just not, in, I don't know if he's not into it or if he's just, I don't know what it is, but something is not right with Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, so before I get to my three, because I have three as well, I want to. Okay. I I agree with the your first two. The third one okay. with Roethlisberger, I don't think he's done because what we've grown grown accustomed to with Roethlisberger, he's going to have those games where he just doesn't have his head in it. That's just that's just who he is. Like 
you can't like people need to stop holding up to the um the standard of a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or even ex- to extend a Philip Rivers. You're right. gonna have those games where he struggles. Right. When you say head in it, do you mean like he just makes dumb decisions? Like you, it just seems like there's games he wants to play and there's games he doesn't want to play. For example, that's my, like, ro- that's ro- ro- role games. Role games, he seems like he it's just it, he doesn't feel comfortable. Pittsburgh is where he excels. It doesn't matter what the competition is, because in a game as big as um the game as the Patriots last season, which they should have won, he was playing very, very well. He was playing well against um well the second Jaguar uh uh game. And the defense just let him down that game. There's just certain games he just he plays down the competition a lot because maybe he overlooks them, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know what the issue is, but it's it's strange for him. It's strange for him because he's such a good quarterback. He just has to have his head in some games sometimes. I just at this point, I think I just kind of question Roethlisberger's competitiveness and his want. I mean that's 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 think- incredibly plausible. I, yeah. And I think that with with that offense that you have, Juju McSchuster, AB, when you had Le'Veon Bell, if he comes back, if he doesn't come back, regardless, you still have James Conner, who seems like he's going to be a good running back. Like you have all of these weapons, and you just haven't been productive, or you have like it just seems like to have all of these weapons, and for you to not feel competitive and ready to go out there and play, like that's something it's just not right. Like something is just not right with them. And, and you know, I feel like somewhat, not from an offensive standpoint, but from a defensive standpoint, the Steelers are in the same position as the Packers because for years now, they've not figured out their cornerback situation. And yeah. what has been the main thing that has been the Achilles heel of both teams in the playoffs in the past, I would say, three years, it's been the defense. We'll look Second back to point. when Aaron Rodgers played against the Falcons. Granted, he didn't play good, but the defense got absolutely torched. And it's crazy they even made the NFC Championship game, but they had, they had Aaron Rodgers. But in, right. in the case of the Steelers, they should have easily been in the uh, AFC Championship game last year. All they had to do was stop Blake Borders, and they couldn't do that. So that's that's why, basically, that's why I made the comparison that. So, my three. Mm-hmm. Anything for my first one is anything can happen in the NFL. Now, I focus on one game when I say this the New Orleans Saints versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Jameis Winston is suspended for three games because of him acting, uh, acting like a nut, basically. And um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, journeyman backup, comes it's in magic. and he comes in. And he sets the freaking world on fire. I, I mean, he had four touchdowns. He threw for well, wait, yeah, five touchdowns. Threw for four, went ran in for one, mm-hmm. and he threw for what was it, four hundred seventeen yards? Four hundred seventeen on a Saints defense that was dominant last year. That has guys like, uh, well, yeah, they have the defensive rookie of the year, Marshawn Lattimore. And Von Bell, think these guys they have they have absolute studs in the secondary. And mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, OJ Howard torched them, completely torched them. 
with, with no running game. Ronald Jones was a healthy scratch in that game. They had Peyton Barber in the backfield. And they absolutely gave the Saints the business in New Orleans. Anything could happen. Cause I thought because if there was any game I was going to predict that week, that game would have been a lot for me for the Saints to win that game. And they did it. I mean, just so, to give you some perspective, being a Jets fan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's he's a good quarterback. But he's he's weird because it's like he's not good when you make him the guy. But if you have to like bubble him in as a starter, he'll like he'll he'll torch. He'll play yep, really exactly. Good. But once you put all your chips in on him, he just I don't know. But yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick played really well. He probably, us, he had the best performance of all week one quarterbacks. I would say absolutely. It's, it's not even a question. Right. So number two, in week one, we saw the debut of seven head coaches in the NFL. All seven of them had a loss. All <laughs> seven of them. That includes John Gruden's Raiders, who looked good in his first half, but disappeared in the second half. That includes Matt Patricia's Lions, who got absolutely smoked on their own field. You had Matt Nagy from the Chicago Bears, who actually just took the took his foot off the gas and outcoached himself in that game, which led to them losing. And you had um uh, Steve Wilkes, who had just no, just nothing was going for the Cardinals against the Redskins. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, Redskins are watch out for them. They're a pretty good team. Watch out for them. But um, we saw all them lose. I have one thing and one thing to say only. Calm down. It's all good. It's all good. Maybe not for the Raiders. They're going to be bad this year. But I can say for my Bears, we are. We may not make the playoffs, but we will be just fine. We will be just fine. There's no need to hit the panic button. The Lions will be fine. Matt Stafford is not going to throw four interceptions every single game. It's just not going to happen. And maybe until the quarterback situation gets figured out in Arizona, they're probably still going to have problems. So, you know, we just got to – we have to wait. My, when the Titans get healthy with Mike Vra- with Mike Vrabel's Titans, when they get healthy with Marcus Mariota, uh, they they will uh, they'll write the ship. Frank Reich has Andrew Luck, and as long as you have Andrew Luck, you're going to be in a football game. So there's no there's there, there's no nothing to be worried about. There's going to be there's going to be struggles because the, the the Colts are just not that good of a team personnel wise. The Giants, I haven't mentioned them, but listen, their defense played well, granted against Blake Bortles, but Eli Manning's an issue. I don't know how long they can have him as the quarterback. They're not going to put in Lauletta as the starter because that's just that's just not going to happen. But, we'll, I mean, if, if week one was a sign of what's to come for the Giants, then it is not going to be a pretty season for the New York Giants. Number three goes to the New York Giants opponents for week two, the Dallas Cowboys. When is Jerry Jones going to gain some guts and fire Jason Garrett? Jason Garrett has been the most overrated coach in football in the past years. And it's not even close. You can put a Mike, you can put Mike McCarthy there, fine. I, I I agree with that. He's overrated too. 
But Jason Garrett has done absolutely nothing to improve this team and make them to make them to consistent winners. They've had seasons where they've gone twelve and four, thirteen and three. You brought in Dak Prescott as the new quarterback to take over Tony Romo. You brought in Ezekiel Elliott, who is probably a top five running back in the league right now. You have a, a great offensive line who is a little banged up right now, but they'll get back into form sooner or later. And I just feel like when you see the Cowboys only put up eight points with Prescott, maybe he's good. Maybe he's just not that good. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I don't think he's that good. But when you see the talent they have on their team and you see them struggle the way they do, you're just like, why? Why is that the case? Why isn't something meshing? And I think one thing you're going to see that's maybe going to keep Jason Garrett in Dallas is an improved defense. I think their defense might be a little legit or maybe Cam Newton's not that good. But um, one thing that I will say is this offense is not a playoff caliber offense. I need to see more. I got to see what they do against the, the Giants Sunday night. Because if I don't see more, then I'm Cowboys going to be in for a rough season, and might have to look at Dak Prescott like, okay, we we gave you the reins. Now we need you to go out there like Tony Romo. Tony Romo was a, Tony Romo was not the best quarterback, but he did win games. So we need to see more from Dak Prescott, and and in my opinion. The only way you're going to get the best out of Dak is if you give him a new voice. Jason Garrett's not that guy. I I don't know what you think, but yeah, I agree. I think. Well, I do think that Dak just had like a bad game. Like there were just plays where he was just missing guys. He was just it wasn't pressure. He was just he just didn't make his mechanics were off. Just yeah, they were just off that game. But it doesn't help when you have. An offense built around Ezekiel Elliott, an offensive line built around Ezekiel Elliott, and he only rushes the ball what fifteen times, I think. Right. So right. that's on that's on coaching. That's that's just bad coaching. And I think you're right that they need a new voice, but I don't think Jerry is gonna fire Garrett yet because Garrett is kind of like a puppet. Like Jerry he Jones, is. he is. He's the like he's a puppet and. I don't know if Jerry Jones is willing to get rid of that aspect, but I mean, something has to change to have and I think Elliott and Dak Prescott. They don't have that many offensive, you know, wide receiver weapons because they you know does, but they have some good pieces. But something has to change. Yeah, I think. I think the the ladies the leadership of Jerry Jones is what's going to be the depth of this team. And he's just not a guy that's focused on winning. He's, he's drafted well. Don't get me wrong. He's drafted some really good defensive players. I mean, heck, they, they can even have one of the Steelers that are drafted, Michael Gallup, in the wide receiver position for Colorado mm-hmm. State. Yeah. But but he's not a guy you're going to expect for him and Alan Hearns and Terrence Wayne to take over and be like, okay, yeah, this is this is the winning team that we want. This is the winning core that we want. Dak Prescott throwing the football to every Sunday, Monday, Thursday. It doesn't matter. This team needs a a number one receiver, and they need new leadership. I think those are the two things that are missing. And maybe maybe a set, maybe another you know weapon for Dak because there's no Jason Witten. He's gone now. So right now, 
the uh, Cowboys are like tied right now, and it's not looking good for them. So, do you think that what record would the Cowboys have to get to to where you think Jerry Jones might fire Sean Garrett this season? Mm. Wow. Um, below five hundred. I think below 500 will maybe do the trick. I think another 8 and 8 would be like, okay, we're there. We're not quite there yet. But then again, we've seen back-to-back A and A seasons at one point in his tenure. And we, we just, you just can't have that. It, it's just mediocre. These, this is America's team. I don't know why they're America's team, but that's what they call it. They're, and, no yeah, it, it's beyond me. But um, but listen, they they need to get something done because the Eagles are going. They might get better. Their team personnel wise, they got better. So they need to figure out something that they don't fall far. They don't fall far behind. The Giants don't end up getting a new quarterback takeoff, and the Redskins, who are a sleeper team for me, they take off. They maybe get a wild card spot with Alex Smith at the helm. Let me tell you, the Cowboys, they could easily finish fourth place in this division if all goes bad for them. Right. So, there's that. All right. Next segment is what's on your mind. So, Tyler, what's on your mind? Let's see. What's on my mind? Well, right now I'm kind of thirsty, right? But in terms of the podcast, what's on my mind is... Boxing, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So, on September 15th, Canelo Alvarez will fight Janetti Golovkin for the second time. Oh, I right? can't wait. That's going to be a great match. And I think it was last Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, Sean Porter and Annie Garcia fought for the WBC Welterweight Championship. I don't know if you've seen that fight or heard about that. Fight. Nah, I did it. But nah. Sean Porter won. Now, I don't know how much you follow boxing nowadays, but that welterweight division is stacked. You have Terrence Crawford, Sean Spencer. I mean, I said Sean, Sean Spencer. Sean Porter, Earl Spence, Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman. Like, that, that division is stacked. And right. I think that... Maybe not this year because of, you know, it's almost end of the year. But next year, you can expect some really, really big mega fights in that welterweight division. Maybe Crawford and Spence, you know, Thurman and Porter. I mean, you should look out for that welterweight division in boxing because that division is stacked. It's probably the talent, most talented division out there. And it's a lot of great boxers in there. I think one of the issues with boxing is that they they are they got brought up with heavyweights. Heavyweights are with a money maker for them back then. Not yeah. the case anymore. You only got like a couple of fighters from the heavyweight division. You really tune in, be like, yeah, I'm gonna watch that fight. But the welterweight division, all those names you name, I've heard of all of them. I've seen them fight, and mm-hmm. there's no reason why this division should not be getting more airtime. These guys are legit. Triple G is a delight to watch. Errol yeah. Spence is a delight. Terrence Crawford, dude, that's, that's a bad man. I want to see Keith Thurman back in the ring because good. Yeah, I, I haven't he's, seen him fight in a long he's time. Spent, he's taking over a year off. I don't like. He's still <laughs> just, He needs to get back. Absolutely, I love I love watching him fight. And this fight, 
Listen, man. We we talk about super fights like Floyd and Connor, Floyd and uh, Pacquiao. This is a super fight. This may be the biggest super fight because People like calling a fight of the century. And let it, it, it might be. I don't want to yeah. put too much hype on it because I put hype on on other fights, and I got thoroughly disappointed. But yeah. this fight is more is elevated now because these two genuinely do not like each other. That's what makes it yeah. more enticing for me and a lot of boxer fans. So I can't wait for that. I really can't wait. So what's on my mind? The NL MVP race is heating up. Three names are in that. Well, maybe four. Four names are in that uh, conversation: Chicago Cubs, Javi Baez, St. Louis Cardinals, Matt Carpenter, Colorado Rockies, Nolan Renato, Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman. There's one guy missing from that list, and it's a guy that plays on the same team as Nolan Arenado. The guy named is Trevor Story. Now, Trevor Story, you may remember him as that guy who had a tremendous first season. He came onto the scene, guns blazing, hitting bombs, 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 bombs every night. He was just, he was amazing. He was one of the best stories from, uh, from 2016, no pun intended. So, he had 27 home runs in 2016. 24, 2017, he had a down year. He had he accumulated over 190. He, had, he accumulated 191 strikeouts. But this year, his statistics is 291, 32 home runs, 100 RBIs. While yeah, he has 159 strikeouts right now. You know, that, that's the game right now. You know, we're not going to, you know, get on too much about that. But Two things hit me this week about Trevor Story. One, the dude hit a 505-foot home run this week. Unheard of. Regardless if it's Colorado or not, that's ridiculous. But then I saw the I saw this uh these two uh these two nuggets. Trevor Story is the first shortstop in MLB history to have 40 doubles, 30 home runs. 20 stolen bases in the season. But he's also the second shortstop in history to Alex Rodriguez in 1999 to have 100 RBIs, 30 home runs, and 20 stolen bases. And why is he not included in the MVP talks? Because he's right next to a superstar playing at, short, uh, playing at third base while he's at shortstop. With the, the success of the Colorado Rockies currently in first place in the NL West, we need to start paying more attention to Trevor Story because if the, the the season ends today, Trevor Story has my vote for the NL MVP. So what do you think about that? I mean, I've I've heard of Trevor Story. I haven't really followed baseball too much lately because, you know, my Yankees are disappointing me and I don't appreciate no, it. It's, no, you don't understand the hype that I had for this season. I was hyped, and to, to have a wild card. Wait, wait, hold on. Let, let, let me ask you a question: Are you more disappointed with the Yankees, or are you more frustrated with the Yan- with the Red Sox having one hundred and one wins? Both. 
You think I want the Red Sox to have a hundred and one? Of course wins? not, but I would rather I would rather the Orioles win the AL East over. I don't want the Red Sox to ever win the division. <clears throat> I don't like. I would rather any other team, if not us, win the division. I don't want the Red Sox to win. The fact that they have a hundred and one wins and they have arguably the AL Cy Young Award winner on it, like I it. It makes me upset. two things. One, be grateful because my team is is only up of one game in the wild card right now. Be grateful. Number two, are you scared of the Oakland A's? Am I scared? Are of you them? scared of the Oakland A's? I'm. I'm looking. You know. I'm. I, I notice them. I look over my shoulder. You know. They have. I, they make me nervous a little bit, but I'm not scared of them. No, I'm not scared of them. But they do. I notice them. I I see them. Okay, just just, just making sure. Just know, if that wild card game goes to Oakland, <clears throat> y'all in trouble. Y'all are in big yeah. big trouble. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. But but yeah, I do like I like Trevor's story. I like you know, the strikeouts is a little scares me a little bit, you know, but. He has a war of 4.8, 161 hits, 78 runs. And like you mentioned, 30 home runs, 20 solo bases, 100 RBIs, only, and 40 doubles, the only shortstop to ever do that in MLB history. So you can make that argument for NL MVP. And as much as it pains me to say this, because I can't give the vote to my favorite player, my second, first, it doesn't matter. I flip-flop time to time. Matt Carpenter is not going to win MVP. He's just not. He had a great August, but he kind of cooled off. So, <clears throat> as unfortunate as it is, that's, that's just baseball. As long as Javi Baez does not win the MVP, I will be fine. I will be fine. So, you're about the Freddie Freeman? I love Freddie Freeman. I love Freddie Freeman. I hope – listen, if he wins MVP, I'm happy for him. Your mic sounds muffled, bro. Oh, what about uh Goldsmith? I love Goldsmith as well. He's not winning MVP, but if he does, then I'm I'm all for it. But you, on the other hand, you have a very dire situation because either JD or Mookie. Man, listen. Hey, that's baseball. I'm picking. I'm picking. Uh, I'm picking me. You picking who? I'm picking myself. And that's where I think the episode should end because that's just absolutely foolish. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, my honest answer... Uh, <clears throat> uh, it's a tough decision. It is because Mookie and JD, they've had just phenomenal years. JD might end up winning the Triple Crown. That's and and honestly, if he wins triple crown, there's no reason why he should not win MVP. So there's that. I don't. I mean, I don't want to say either one, but you have to. <laughs> you have to. No, I'm. I'm gonna say. I know it's like 18 games left. I'm gonna say. Mm. It's either I'm gonna say Jose Ramirez. I would want Jose Ramirez to. You will want. You know, he, he's not gonna win. He's gonna finish third place. If not, if not, Mookie Betts. 
Forget it. You forget. You forget in Francisco Lindor as well, but. 34 home runs by shortstop? Yeah, That's but, impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So, this is where the episode ends. Hopefully, uh, Nate will rejoin us next episode. Hopefully, we can actually get an episode out on time this time, you know, next time around. But, um, true, true. Hopefully, but, uh... hopefully you go- everyone enjoyed this episode. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back. I sure did. Probably with uh, week two takeaways and hopefully I'll be Oh! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No. You think you slick. You really think you slick. What are you talking about? You really think you slick. What are you talking about? So we're not, we're not going to discuss Aaron Rodgers. No, 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 we're not. No, because it's obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious. You think, come on, no, man. No, I just want to know. I just want to know. What we... Okay, question. Okay. Right? What were you thinking at halftime? Before Aaron Rodgers uh, came back, what were you thinking? Okay. You know the reason why I didn't want to talk about this? Because oh, I was going to cut the episode short. I'm still lingering. It hurts me. I thought we actually was going to beat the Packers at Lambeau. And no, we didn't do that. I mean, I know it hurts, but you have to be really impressed with Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was amazing. That, that Bears debut was Khalil Mack great. was amazing. Roquan Smith should have been on the field more often. Kyle Fuller should be ashamed of himself for dropping that pick. Is that what you want to hear? Yeah, you're right. Kyle Fuller. Yeah. I still I, I hate Kyle Fuller only because I remember his rookie season. We played you guys. He, he, he took a pick six to the house. I, I've never forgotten. He had two picks in that game, though. Yeah, two. Yeah, I, I hate him. I forever hate Kyle Fuller. <laughs> but listen. Regardless of all that, you getting paid all that money, you should be picking off that pass. There's, there's no excuse. Yeah. No excuse. Yeah. But that's all. That's hey, all you are getting me about that game. I'm I, not. I'm not going to brag about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to do none of that. I know you want me to because you want to have yourself a little laugh. I get it. I totally get it. I just it. wanted to know you. I just wanted to know. You know. I wanted to know what, what was your what was your brain thinking at every stage of the game? You know, halftime. Even when Aaron Rodgers came back in, did you still think, oh, we have 20, we'll be fine? No, I, 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 when they got that first drive, they had that first shoot, I said, yep, we're going to lose. That the end of the game, I said, yeah, this game's probably rigged. I mean, but the, you got to admit, that catch by uh, Devontae Adams was nice. The last touchdown pass, I think. No, nah, that was that was Randall Cobb that caught that last one. Geronimo Allison pushed oh, off. Oh, so the one before. Geronimo Allison Randall pushed off on out. the first one, but we ain't going to talk about that because, I mean – what we did, he did. All right. He did. Okay, all right. Hey, you know, good thing about the NFL is that there's still another week. You still have a whole another week and a whole season to you know come back. Whole another week to chase on Russell Wilson on Monday night. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> but since you got what you got out of me, now we can end the episode. We don't want to bore people to death. We'll be back hopefully next week or maybe the week after. So, right. from from myself and Talo, bye-bye. See you later.